Engage 2022 is SDI's first hybrid annual conference. This means it can be experienced in person in Santa Fe, as well as digitally through live apps and recordings. Engage 2022 is about deep listening and the lasting change it can create. It is about engaging with our shadow to find light, and it is about bridge building in the service of love fostering engagement. Keynote presenters include Dr. Cornell West, Valerie Kaur, Father Greg Boyle, and more. Register now for SDI's 2022 annual conference at sdicompanions.org. Welcome to this episode of SDI Encounters, a podcast on spiritual direction and spiritual companionship. I'm Anne Lancaster. Thank you for listening. Learn more about our work and the work of spiritual direction and spiritual companionship on our website, sdicompanions.org. In this week's episode, I speak with Reverend Simon DeVoyle, who will be leading SDI's journey to Iona, Scotland in March 2022. Simon is a singer-songwriter and interspiritual minister, born and raised in Scotland, but now living in rural Vermont. Simon has gained a reputation as a talented musical performer and storyteller. He pairs thoughtful and inspiring lyrics with cracking good tunes and is known for his rich, tender vocal style. His music explores themes of the inner landscape of the soul, the enchantment of the natural world, and a personal journey to follow an unexpected calling. You can find out more about Simon and hear his music at simondevoyle.com. Well, welcome everyone. I'm Anne Lancaster. I'm the Creative Services Coordinator for SDI. And I'm here today with Simon DeVoyle, who will be leading our retreat to Iona, Scotland this March. And I will be with him uh, as SDI's liaison. We'll have other people joining us as well, and it'll be an awesome time. So I'm really, really looking forward to it. Simon is a Scottish sacred musician, an interspiritual minister, and a singer-songwriter now living in rural Vermont. Welcome, Simon, and Happy New Year. Oh, thank you, and Happy New Year back to you. Thank you. Yeah. So, Simon, could you tell us a little bit about your connection to Iona and what it is especially that makes the island so precious to you? Oh, I've been going there my whole life, so it feels like a part of me. It's a part where I can connect with my child self, my younger adult self. And it's one of those kind of lightning rods that helps me be me in the world, be an integrated version. But it's also, it's a very magical place, not just for me and and my own experience of peace and healing. And it's called a thin place. So thin meaning the distance between heaven and earth is tissue thin. And it really feels uh, like a deeply sacred place for me. I tend to tell people that I'm more shiny when I'm there, (laughs) which is so strange, but really it's true. Can you recall a certain experience you've had that that would exemplify that sort of shininess? Oh, yes. Um, Well, one of the last times I went back, um, I was bringing my wife, Lyndon, And I took her on the pilgrimage that I'll probably take our guests on across the moors. And it was just a magical day. And we're coming back. (laughs) And I see this group of like 12 women as they're walking past. I would say, happy pilgrimage or something like that. (laughs) 
And I ended up in conversation with them and I sang them a blessing. And there was this one woman that said, oh my God, you sound just like Simon DeVoyle. <laughs> Which is hilarious because nobody's ever heard of Simon DeVoyle, right? I am really not very famous, especially not back then. Um, I said, that's because I am Simon DeVoyle. And they were like, oh, can you sing us another song? So I sing them Deep Peace Blessing. And this woman comes up and she, like, she hugs me, full on body hug. I've never met her before. While I'm singing the song. And... Uh, I remember my, my wife, Lyndon, just looking at me going, wow, that's not the kind of thing that happens in everyday life. <laughs> that's a really extreme example of that connection that can happen when people can really be themselves. But there's this way of being authentic that I am there and the other people often are stripping away of the layers. And partially because it's like this island that's so far from civilization, right? It's a real trek to get there. But also the deeper aspect of who people are comes forward. I'm sure that woman would never, without asking, hug me if I was singing on the street in Glasgow. Yeah, that's an excellent point. <laughs> but yeah, when I talk to you about Iona, I can see the light in your eyes. It's just, mm -hmm. It is infectious in such a beautiful way. And I've never been there myself. I'm very much looking forward to my first experience there, but I can feel it coming off of you. And it's such a beautiful mm -hmm. energy. Thank you. Many of the experiences about being shiny are, are actually about an outpouring of love and are about healing. And uh, I think one of the most tender stories I have was um, hosting uh, refugees and asylum seekers in the retreat center I used to be part of. And I remember this woman who was from Rwanda and she came up and said, you sang beautifully at the service last night. We'd had a healing service. She said, will you sing me that song? And she's um, sitting down close to me and I, I'm singing a heart song for her and her eyes are just streaming with tears. And this is somebody for, for like three days hadn't really spoken, this woman. She hadn't really spoken and she arrived a little bit late and I remember she was ravenously hungry all the time. And it turned out later that she was somebody who'd been tortured. Mm. And here's her asking me to sing for her while her story that she doesn't tell me of just pours out from her. And we share that intimate moment. And I'll never forget that. That was probably 2008 in the summer, but it seems like it was just yesterday. Wow, that's beautiful. I know listening to your music, there's something that comes through, even just like through a computer screen, listening to your music. I'm in tears when I listen to you. It's just something that comes uncontrollably. And it is just such a beautiful and almost like a primal thing that happens. We're mm -hmm. just connecting to that music on such a soul level. I think that part of what you're hearing is the encounters I had with all the people in Iona when I lived there for two and a half years, that I remember when I sing that Taisy chant again, all these years later, I remember that woman. I think her name was Mary. I remember her and that flows through me. So I think part of the healing aspect in my music is about my memories of Iona and it coming alive in me through the song. So perhaps if you had met me before I'd gone to Iona, the music wouldn't uh, come alive quite so much. 
That's so beautiful. And it's, it's so true. Like you do carry the memory of a place and a time with you. And music is such a timeless thing. It can just span any number of years and you, you can just go back to whatever feeling or experience you had that's associated with that music and you can give it to other people too. Mm-hmm. You know, John O'Donoghue says that the landscape informs the music. Mm. Right? And he, he was talking about the sad Irish laments being part of the, the grief that's in the land and that outpouring. So I think this idea about the encounters and the stories that I had on Iona finding their way into the music is actually very likely. I get this sort of vibe off of a lot of Scottish music that I listen to. Some of my favorite musicians are Scottish and there's just something about being of that place that they can share with the listener. And I think that is just, it's astounding and it's just so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And you term yourself to be a sacred musician. So this is something that even through that definition is showing itself, that it's just something that words can't describe it. You can only just feel it. <laughs> yeah. You know, isn't all music sacred? Well, yes and no. If you are learning disabled or you have dementia, I will play Neil Diamond for you. <laughs> but if you're not, I won't. <laughs> So, I mean, I think all uh, music has uh, so much soul in it. It carries the stories of the people. But I use the word sacred musician, and a lot of that is because I really sing about my love for this earth, my compassion, my heart. It's a form of prayer for me, and it's a form of soul expression as well as art. And uh, I don't think it really matters whether you're a musician or sacred musician, but it does stop people asking me if I will play Stairway to Heaven or, you know, Freebird. Yeah, whatever. People ask you to play all sorts of weird stuff. And when you have the title Sacred Musician, they're less likely to do that. That's great. So Simon, we're staying on Iona for eight days and we have some awesome plans to interweave your music into what we're doing on each day's events. Can you kind of paint us a picture of what that kind of looks like? Yeah, well, I first looked at planning the days in a very sensible workshop planning mindset and then took a step back and thought, oh, no, we're going to enter this through the soul. And the best way that I think I can do that is by choosing a song for each day that is our guide as we explore the island. Now, it's going to be March. (laughs) We'll be there for the spring equinox. It might be rainy and windy, and it will be good to have a guide for each day, whether that's a song like Deep Peace that is singing about the elements or a more modern song like... uh, the circling blessing that I learned in the Abbey. What are we surrounding ourselves in? What thoughts are we choosing as we engage in the world around us? Or it could be some songs like, I have a song called Beloved Bridget, which is about the sacred feminine 
in the land and colonization and the migration of people. So each day I've chosen a song I think suits the island and the history of the island, not just the geology of it. And we'll use that as a, a creative way of exploring our time together. We've been talking about this concept of audio divina. And mm -hmm. could you talk a little bit about what that means and maybe a little definition of that term and how yeah. it will be shown throughout this experience? Well, I thought I made that term up, but I didn't. <laughs> Other people are using it. It comes from Lectio or Lexio Divina, which is a monastic practice, a Christian monastic practice of sacred reading, where you're reading a text very slowly and prayerfully, and you go back to the same text over and over, and you let it speak to you. So you're not reading for knowledge. You're reading with, as the Buddhists would call, um, meditation, or in the Christian tradition, contemplation. It's a different way of engaging with a sacred text. Now, I am somebody that's very much of the oral tradition, and songs speak to me. They are very sacred to me. And so we're going to do this rather with than reading, with listening, and we're going to listen to songs. But people also talk about visio divina with art and images. Iconography would be similar to what mm. that would be. And there is a lot of sacred art connected with Iona. And we're going to have an artist in residence with us as well, who's going to be creating art and also helping us creatively explore as well. My friend Keegan's going to come. So that whole creative way of making sense of our experience, I think will really deepen our reflection, deepen our listening. I'm really, really looking forward to that and all of the things that can come from just being in that place with this group of people and the equinox. It's going to be amazing. Do you have any sort of advice you'd give people who are traveling there for the very first time? Yes, I would, which is bring a raincoat. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's absolutely worth the journey across the world. I know it's, uh, it's still pandemic and it's going to be more difficult for people to travel safely. But this is, um, it's often a once in a lifetime experience and not to rush it. You can't plan going to Iona three months in advance. <laughs> no, <laughs> just once you get onto the airplane or you start your travel, then you begin to take the layers off. And if you want to do some prep before then, read John O'Donoghue's books, read John Philip Newell's books on Celtic Christianity and Celtic spirituality. But the island is very much present time, right? So it starts with the journey there. And it will instruct you. It is your teacher. You just need to show up with I, a raincoat. Yes, bring a raincoat and good walking shoes too. Um, good walking shoes as well. If you want to walk on the island. Yeah. I know that uh, if different people have different abilities. So I'm going to mm -hmm. take some people across the bogs, <laughs> up and down the hills. It's only three miles by one mile. It's not a very big island. But there might be some people that want to stay on the paths. And we'll, um, we'll make sure that people have different abilities and get good things to do. And we are planning for contingencies if there is weather that makes it so that nobody can go outside, right? Mm -hmm. That's where having a musician in the house, and I'm sure I won't be the only musician, <laughs> is a really good thing. We're also talking about maybe bringing in interfaith worship as well. 
to honor the fact it used to be Bishop's House was set up for Anglican monks. They came, I think about the 1880s, and <laughs> they found it so difficult, the weather so awful, that they abandoned it quite quickly. <laughs> <laughs> but the history of that building is a, it was a monastic building, and the worship happens there. We've got a minister who's coming who's a Christian minister. I'm an interfaith minister, so we've got a Christian minister to honour the requirements of Bishop's House, but also we'll do some more creative worship as well that is a bit more open, a bit more interfaith. And people don't need to participate in that if they don't want to, you know. Just because I'm very religious with all the different religious traditions doesn't mean our guests will be people are people. Yes, exactly. It's it's open for everybody, even spiritual but not religious people. If you have no faith tradition, it doesn't matter. It's for everyone. So Simon, do you have any final thoughts that you'd like to share with all the people who will be joining us on this exciting adventure? No, but I got a little secret. Tell. The little secret is I left Iona in August of 2008. And ever since then, people have asked me to take them to Iona. And I've always said, no, 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 no. (laughs) I can't do that. (laughs) And this is the first time all these years later, 13 years later, that I'm actually going to Iona and sharing it with people. So I'm very excited. This has been a long time coming and I am so ready. Well, Simon, we are so grateful that you are taking us on this journey and sharing everything that is so deep in your heart about this place. And we're so happy about it and looking forward to it. So thank you so much for sharing this time with us today. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. You too. If you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us share and spread the word about the life-giving practice of spiritual companionship, you can help us out by subscribing to this podcast through your favorite app. You could give us a like or even write us a review. Thank you for listening. This is Matt Whitney with Spiritual Directors International. Thanks again for listening. Your time and your presence here are deeply appreciated. If you liked this show and would like us to continue making them, please do subscribe now while it's fresh on your mind. Also, we would love to hear from you, so please feel free to send in your comments and suggestions to the email address podcast at sdiworld.org. SDI is the home of spiritual companionship. Learn more about us and our work on our website, sdicompanions.org.